Hi, this is Ashley. And Maggie. <laughs> and you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode, we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it. All while under the influence. <laughs> Let's just start with some great face noises. <laughs> Hi, Maggie. Hi, Ashley. There were some horses walking down the street yesterday. Argos Main life. was all I know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes it just happens. Yeah. Uh, and I saw the porcupine again the other night. Oh, so he exciting. Just, he was so cute. And then the fucking turkeys were in the front yard again today. They all came out. Look at they that. They all have been out and about. Have animal you had any animal interactions? I did. <laughs> Only one, really. That's super memorable. And probably because it happened this morning. But oh. um, I was filling up my water bottle um, at the kitchen sink. Uh-huh. And a tufted titmouse landed on the window. Like, Aww. like, didn't fly into the window, but was like on the windowsill. So it was like looking right at me, and it had a seed in its mouth. Oh, and I was just like sitting there, standing there with my mouth agape. I was like, oh, oh. like I didn't know what to do with the moment. It was just so pure and beautiful. Um, what was amazing? And then I was on a, a, a my team meeting call, and I have a, a teammate who also loves birds, and we're in mm-hmm. the middle of the call, and she's like, "There's a downy woodpecker outside of my window." <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, this is the perfect time to tell you about the Tufted Titmouse. So it, was a great, <laughs> it was a great morning for birds, and that's all you that's can adorable. ask for. Oh. Any, any other animal? <laughs> oh, yeah. As Maggie just reminded me with the – I was like, there are no star-faced moles around me. What are you doing? <laughs> Maggie was taking her fingers and making weird, like, finger motions by her, her face. She was like trying – I told her – yeah – just not great <laughs> it was but really anyway, creepy looking <laughs> but she's trying i had told maggie before we recorded the call about before we started recording about my incident with a spider that reminded me of her so the other night i was going to bed and out of, i was reading and out of the corner of my eye i saw some black thing on the wall and i thought it was a fly because we have a huge fly problem in this house or we did in the <laughs> summer so i guess i should have known and i look over and it's a spider it's not huge but it's a spider, good spider. Um, and so I sleep. It was a good spider. <laughs> it was a good spider. So I sleep with my window open, not the screen open. Mm-hmm. So I like kind of chased it there and I was like, maybe I can chase it out the window. But then once I got like into the window, I lost it. So I slept with my window closed because I was like, <laughs> I like spiders, but I don't like knowing I'm sleeping next to one. So, oh my God. No. I hope that you. spider uh, lived a long, happy life. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, so I thought of you this morning because as much as I hate spiders, I I tend to be nice to them. For example, there is a little spider that lives in our mailbox. Oh, oh. (laughs) he's a tiny little thing, but I see him every day, and he just has a little home in the top of the metal metal mailbox. So I, I go and check the mail. Whenever I check the mail, he like scoots out of the way when you pull down the lid, you know? Okay. Um, 
but today I went down and I had gotten um, a small package and I pulled it out and he was on the package. And I was like, oh no, you're, you're not in your home. And so <laughs> I like pulled the lid down all the way and then just put the package like at level with the lid and mm-hmm. he walked off the package back onto his home. I love it. He's he was like, like oh, oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am. Goodbye. Good morning. <laughs> I, I picture him with a top hat, you know? Oh my gosh. He was so, and yeah, he definitely was a little gentleman about it. He was just like, oh, thank you very much. I didn't mean to be on this. <laughs> And so it. then I was like, okay, good. Goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if your neighbor was walking by and that happened? They were like, uh, man, <laughs> does someone live in your mailbox or? Good thing is I, no neighbors really live near me. Another oh. story, speaking of no neighbors. No neighbors. So, um, Sunday morning, and I think, you know, this story, Ashley, but Sunday morning I woke up and there was a tick behind my ear. It had, it had bitten me and I definitely had gotten it like in the night from laying on the couch or something. Cause Argos fucking lays on the couch. And anyway, I had just washed my hair before going to bed. So it definitely happened within the like 10 hours of me sleeping or something ridiculous. (laughs) So I wake up, but I'm the only one at home. Ashley is gone. Nick isn't here. My housemates were away for the weekend and I couldn't get it. I couldn't see it because it's behind my ear. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? How do I get this thing out of my ear? So I got, I still in my pajamas, I grabbed Argos. I was like, Argos, we got to go get into my car and drove to my neighbor's house. And so I'm, it's like 8 a.m. on a Sunday. I go up to their front door, knock, and the wife comes out and she's like, Is everything okay? I was like, I have a tick in my hair. <laughs> and so oh. she's like, We'll be right out. And she's, she runs inside and she goes, Carson, <laughs> which is her husband's name. <laughs> and he comes down, he plucks it out of my hair, no problem. And then Sal was like, Let me get you a cup of coffee. Oh. <laughs> They treated me to a cup of coffee. Our dogs played together and we just sat around talking in the morning. It was so sweet. The like tick aside, that just sounds like such a beautiful morning. (laughs) I know. I know. I just, that is such a beautiful thing about Maine is everybody is so friendly here and you know, everybody keeps to themselves, but you love your neighbors. Like if they need something, you're there for them. It's great. Mm -hmm. That's so fun. Yeah. What a good story. I am warm and going to take off this sweater. Okay, you do that. I'm I'm going to just kind of organize my thoughts on my animal. Because uh, as our audience can probably guess, I was researching right up until the moment we hit record for this yep. episode. Yeah. In my defense, I for the last 2 weeks, week and a half, have been working a full-time job, a part-time job, and I have a contract uh, for a freelance project. So <laughs> I had no time to get this done. <laughs> we'll give her a pass this time. There's always an excuse, I know. <laughs> no, it's all right. I was just very excited about my animal, so. I'm, I'm definitely excited, and you will see why. But um, I feel like this will be the be week great. that we do the same animal. Can you imagine? I- <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, if that's the case, it's going to be a real short episode. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready for mine? We'll see. Moment of truth. I'm so excited. I do have clues. They're not good clues. I'm not, okay. I'm not great at the clues, but. Okay. Um, All right. Let's do it. 
All right. Oh, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Probably because I was really hot in that sweatshirt and I'm my body's still adjusting. Anyway, clue number one. My first clue is that I can't believe that neither have done this species yet. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. It's not much of a clue, but no, I just but that's can't... great because there's definitely some that I think. Is it like a rhino species? No. No. Okay. You only get one guess per clue. Um, okay. Until the end. All right. Okay. Two. This animal, the species, they have the slowest digestion of any mammal. Uh, a koala? No. That was a pretty good guess. Or a panda. You only get one per. It's not panda, though, either. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. My last clue is a reference to a movie. Ready? Uh-oh. Okay. Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Uh, I don't know that movie. It's an animated it, is, movie. Is it a Galapagos Turtle? No. But you're on the right track of slow things. Is it a sloth? It is a sloth. Okay. All right. Very cool. <laughs> now, which sloth is it? Two or three-toed? Three-toed. <gasps> Is that what you're doing? No. Okay, good. <laughs> well, so the flash. What if I flash, said I was doing the? What if I said I was doing the two tone? <laughs> I'd be like, great. <laughs> Different species. We've got a full episode. <laughs> but no, have you have you not seen the movie Zootopia? Maggie. Um. <laughs> Maggie. I think I think I've uh, seen parts uh, of it. Isn't there like a little bunny in it that wants to be there, a cop? Yeah, Judy Hopper. Judy Hops. I watched it the other day, so I should know. No, I just needed to put something on in the background, and we put it on, and then my entire family was engaged for, like, the entire movie. Nice. But I highly recommend Zootopia, but my one of the best scenes is that the people who work, the the species that works at the DMV are sloths. Yeah, yes. Um, And Flash is the the main sloth that they interact with. Um, And uh, he's a great, great character, has some really great comedic moments. But, yeah, are you, I'm surprised we haven't done sloths. Like, I know they're pretty cool. Right? And so I was thinking the last two species I did were like kind of kind of creepy. I mean, mm-hmm. creepy crawlers, it is a spider mm-hmm. and a snake, so I was like, let's do something cozy and then Zootopia was on and I was like, oh, here we go baby, we got this. Perfect. Um and why I picked three-toed sloths, we'll never know, but I did. So <laughs> I will be doing three-toed sloths or uh bratty puss. <laughs> Brady Puss doesn't get better. Uh, very gottis. So there are three toads lost. They're arboreal neotropical mammals living in Central and South America. Um, I will say I took all of my notes thinking a three toed sloth was one of five species and there were four others. No, there are four species total of three toed sloths. So I will be talking about all four and like a broader yeah and okay. like a more high up but they're all pretty similar wow who knew there were multiple species of three, three toads, toads loss right yeah. and i at the very end i was like oh oh i've had this wrong the whole time but not mm. like too wrong um so there are four living <laughs> species of three toad sloths in the family uh brady Podidae. there's the brown throated sloth the maned sloth the pale throated sloth and the pygmy sloth so the main sloth sounds super cool. Like he's got probably some really awesome Fabio-like hair. Oh, he's got he's got great fur. He's a good-looking guy. I, 
Sloths are the most ridiculous looking things I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just gotta, I just gotta get that out there. We'll get to it in a little bit. But the the more I read about them, the more I loved them, and I was just like, <laughs> I don't. How are you a thing? Um, so you might be asking, what about two-toed sloths, Ashley? Why did you ignore the two toes? We'll never know. You said it yourself. <laughs> we'll never know. But I did want to give a little bit of information about the two and what makes them different. So they do occupy the same forests. Mm-hmm. Two-toed sloths tend to be a little bit larger and somewhat faster. Um, and although they look very similar, apparently they aren't actually very closely related and adapted to their tree-loving lifestyles separately. <laughs> what? Which, like, I was like, oh, one just has one more toe than the other. But, like, the, I was, and I, I'm not going to get into it because it was just the, the phylo, ph- phylogeny, phylogeny, yeah. you know, and, like, the breakdown of where they came from is wild. Like, huh. there was just, like, most of the Wikipedia page was, like, talking about where they came from and how some came from ground-dwelling sloths, other came from oh. Caribbean sloths. Like, did you know those were... Like, and then you get into, like, giant sloths, so... Oh, yeah, I've heard about those, like... Yeah. Ice Age so, era. Uh, they're apparently not actually super closely related, which is insane to me. But I'm not going to dig too far into oh. it, because there's plenty of other insane things about these guys uh, to touch on. Perfect. <laughs> that I understand a little more fully. A little more. So we've seen plenty of cartoons and representations of sloths, but what do they really look like? Let's really dig mm. into these guys. So they're about the size of a small dog or a large cat. So I would say probably like a little smaller than Ollie. Mm -hmm. My favorite was how they were described on Wikipedia. The head and body having a combined length around 45 centimeters or 18 inches and a weight of 3.5 to 4.5 kilograms or 8 to 10 pounds. But why would we measure the head and the body separately, Wikipedia? Why? When has that ever been a thing? Like, I get it, like, we'll measure, like, with or without the tail, but we've never not included the head in measurement. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? Why are we talking? Why? Like, anyway, I just thought that was, that gave me a little chuckle the other night. <laughs> I also really enjoyed that. Um, if you go to, like, animal pages on National Geographic, like the mm-hmm. education pages, they'll have, like, the silhouette of the animal. Right, Yeah. Compared oh to like a, an adult-sized man, I'm in, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm trying to envision what it's going to be for the sloth. Well, they had the sloth just hanging on to his leg. Oh, <laughs> not I what like, I was expecting. <laughs> I was like, "This is a fantastic reference." If so any of you go to National Geographic to look up animal species and you know what we're talking about, that's this is just adorable. Somebody just was like, having you know, fun. We can't really like hang like it hangs from trees. It doesn't really live on the grounds, but it will hang from a man's leg. So if you're referencing it in terms of a man's leg, it like was like hanging, grab it on right about the knee. And uh, yeah, Super <laughs> it cute. was great. So that's their size. But what do they look like? They have a very round head, a short snout, small little eyes, tiny little ears. Um, and they always kind of look like they're smiling a little bit. Hmm. They also have short little tails. Um, oh. They do. They do. So two, I wrote, two tails have no tails. Losers in all caps. You mean two toes? Yep. Not two tails has no tails. Wow. Who's the loser now? I mean, but it's okay. Um, But yeah, so two toad sloths do not have tails. Well, 
three-toed sloths have very short, like, nubby tails. Um, and obviously, they have three claws in each limb, hence three-toed. Look at those faces. Okay, I, find, I mean, I know what a sloth looks like, but I, I Googled now just they, to like, follow don't, along with They you. don't look... Like, honestly, I feel like most cartoon representations are pretty accurate. Like, yeah. they don't look real they look poorly designed <laughs> they, they look, look like, like someone tried to draw a bear and failed oh <laughs> they kind of do right like but in the cutest way mm-hmm. so color wise they have coarse brown fur but often it appears greenish because they're covered in algae <laughs> like at all time <laughs> makes great camo oh, not great hygiene um and they have to have a light brown face with kind of this like dark brown or black eye band it looks like they're like trying mm-hmm. to be cool techno guys, you know. It well, looks like th- it looks like they uh, they tried to put on some face paint and look like a raccoon. Mm-hmm. It's like the sloth is trying to be a bear and he's trying to be a raccoon and he's just like hmm. the sloth's having a real identity crisis. <laughs> yeah, buddy, it's okay. <sighs> be yourself. So uh, we've talked about their size we've talked about their heads but let's talk about those beautiful sloth bodies um so their bodies are adapted to hang by their limbs and honestly if that's all i said it 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 describes them very well so they have these long curved claws that end at these very long limbs and they're they're so good at hanging on trees that often (laughs) this is sad dead sloths have been known to retain their grip and remain on a branch even after they've died because they're just so that's all they do is really hang wow that's really gross but this thing this is what what boggled my mind um because i feel like sloths kind of have like a little pooch like a little little pot belly like if you ever look when like someone picks up a sloth like it feels like all of their organs are kind of like low in their stomach um well they kind of are (laughs) So okay. this is straight from Wikipedia because I didn't want to change. I just I just wanted to say it. So the abdominal organs close to their diaphragm, so their stomach, liver, and kidneys, are attached to their lower ribs by fibrous fibro, fibrinous adhesions, which prevent the weight of these organs from compressing their lungs when hanging, making inhalation easier. Hmm. So they're all just like hanging out underneath their ribs, chilling, which I guess like ours do too. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's why they have this little pot belly. That's super cute. That makes a lot of sense though. Like if you're going to be spending a lot of time hanging, you don't want to be squishing your own lungs. Right. Keep those lungs safe, man. But yeah, so these guys, again, tiny little head with tiny little features, really long limbs and a pot belly. What more could you want? They they kind of look like they kind of look like Ollie. They look like a big potato with a tiny head and tiny limbs. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Thank God he is asleep and he cannot hear you. Um, <laughs> no, their limbs are much longer than Ollie's. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Ollie has very dainty paws and dainty legs. He can. That's true. I mean, he can run like the devil, but. Uh... I get the potato body though and small head. Yeah, that's Ollie in a in a nutshell. <laughs> so other than being famously slow, what do they do? Their average speed is 0.24 kilometers per hour or so not uh, even a kilometer. Nope. Um so that's po- about 0.15 miles per, per hour. Oh my a God. quarter mile in Aww. an hour. They'll typically move at their fastest like six to eight feet in a minute. 
if they're like really <laughs> going somewhere. They just they don't want to. They will change between trees if need be, um, but they're not they're not designed to move. I think I was reading that it was like their decision based on like what they they eat, which is leaves that I'll get to. It was like they could either pick a food that would give them more energy or they could not move and they chose to not move. <laughs> um, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, That's fine. So yeah. They're uh, actually better swimmers than they are tree dwellers. They don't typically spend a lot of time in the water, yes. but if they end up in the water, they actually can move fairly well. Sometimes, I guess, they fall directly from trees into rivers. <laughs> I read that, and I was like, for what reason? Like, on purpose? I don't I don't know, but I guess it happens. Just want to take a dip. But can you imagine watching a, a sloth, like, plop into a river? I love it. Oh, my gosh. Just moves so slow. Right? Do they fall slow, too? <laughs> <laughs> they just defeat gravity, and they're like, whoa. <laughs> Obviously. Again, this is directly from Wiki, but I do think it is important to quote it directly. <clears throat> the muscles the sloths use to grip and produce a pulling motion are much more prominent than those that produce a pushing motion. This means that they struggle to support their body weight when walking on all four limbs. Aww. So traveling on the ground is a dangerous and laborious process. Oh my gosh, laborious. laborious. As if like Oh my gosh. So first of all, that's why the National Geographic silhouette had the sloth not on all fours, which is what <laughs> I was imagining. As you were describing it, I was like, gosh, it's going to look so silly if this poor thing is on the ground because they are not made for that. Oh, no, not at all. But like, how is it more laborious than moving at a snail's pace in a tree? Oh. I, um, and then from National Geographic, on land, sloths, weak hind legs provide no power and their long claws <laughs> are a hindrance. So these guys really like... They're oh mad that gosh. the ground exists, I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. They do not want to be on the ground. I don't think I've ever met an animal that wants to be on the ground less. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like I said, there are boils, so they live up in the canopy, and they actually only come down once a week for a potty break. So they only go to the bathroom once a week. So they actually climb down to go to the bathroom. Yep. They don't just go up in the tree. Correct. They don't, they don't, why? That's what, a they great question. Have, they have bathroom habits. Yep. Mm -hmm. But they'll let algae grow on their fur. Yep. <laughs> Listen, I don't understand sloth hygiene um, any more than you do after all my, all my research. Um, so you might be asking, well, what happens to their feces and urine during this time? I guess it accumulates. I don't know where. It just said it accumulates, but it accumulates well, in their digestive up, tract. Up to one third of their body mass. Up to one third of their body mass can be uh, feces and urine by the end of the week. Fun, that's, right? That's so gross. But to be fair, I pee all the time because I drink a lot of water. Mm -hmm. And if I only had to pee once a week, I would do it. I hate, I peeing is such a time suck in my life. That's fair. That's fair. Right? And like, gosh, though, can you imagine if men like only went the bathroom once a week? They'd be in the bathroom <clears throat> like for four hours or something. Because men spend so much time in there. What are they doing? They got a lot to do, Maggie. So these guys eat mainly leaves, but also shoots and fruits. Um, but leaves in particular are thing are, are don't have a lot of energy value. They don't really provide a lot of things um, nutritionally. 
It takes about a month for a single leaf to go through the entire digestive tract. Um, however, another source, it takes two weeks for an entire meal to go through the digestive tract. So I don't know what the exact amount of time is, but it takes a long time to digest anything. A long time. Me, yeah. I, it, two weeks to a month, I would okay. say. And they have a four-chambered stomach, baby. So like it takes a while to go through that all. Wow, that's um, a lot of processes for just one leaf. Yeah, and I think a, I think a big part of, well, I mean, they eat a lot of leaves at once. But um, <laughs> I think a lot of it is that leaves aren't easy. Like, that's why we don't eat leaves, people. They're not easy to digest. It takes a very long time. What are you talking time. about? I eat leaves all the time. I eat spinach. I eat lettuce. Okay. That's not what these guys are eating. They're eating, like, if you went out and just ate a leaf from a tree, it would take a long time to, to get through your system. Try well, it. Okay, that's that's fair. That's why Don't I guessed it. koala earlier because digesting eucalyptus leaves takes a goddamn exactly. long time. But like I said, they have the slowest digestion of any mammal. Um, they usually get all of their fluids from the leaves. However, they've also been seen drinking from rivers, which is just like the cutest. Like, what do they got? Their little tiny claws on the riverbed <laughs> drinking. But I thought this was interesting. Their metabolism basically acts the opposite of other mammals. So they eat less when the temperatures are lower and they eat more when the temperatures are higher, where usually if it's colder, animals eat more. And I guess it's because of the symbiotic microbes in their gut break down food faster at like different temperatures. Interesting. I was like, wow, that's backwards of what you want. So they live between 25 and 30 years on average. Wow. Um, They don't have a breeding season. They're randy all year round. (laughs) <laughs> but honestly, Wiki was killing it with some of these descriptions. Male three-toed sloths are attracted to females in estrus by their screams echoing throughout the canopy. So apparently, female will just yell and a male will get there in like two to six weeks. I don't know. But I, oh I guess it makes... Anybody out there? Want to get laid? But like, I guess it makes sense that they don't have oh like God. a mating season. Because How many like, women wish they could do that? <laughs> because of the mating season, like they'd be time, like clearly time is not on these guys' side. So right. I guess it makes sense that like basically moments of opportunity are going to be mm-hmm. key. But they give birth to a single young after six months and it clings to the mom's belly for nine months before it's weaned. <laughs> Oh my goodness. They're the most precious. I love mammals that cling to their mom's bellies or backs or whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. it's the best. But not like reptiles, like alligators that hang out in mom's mouth. I mean, I think that's cool too, but it's not cute, you know? <laughs> you Why know, can't it's it be cool. cute, Ashley? Why can't cold-blooded can reptiles be cute? They can be, but that specific behavior I think is just cool, <laughs> you know? You just gave me a real Alexis vibe from Schitt's Creek. You were like, I just think it's cool. <laughs> I've never been more honored. <laughs> now moving to the dark side of our podcast. What are the threats to these guys? Mm. Um, so if it's not obvious, they're super vulnerable to predators if they're on the ground. There's lots of videos of like sloths trying to cross roads when roads oh, get built for habitat. No. Um, like there's, there is one that's actually funny of a guy like helping a sloth across the road and it looks like the sloth is flying and it's like the I believe I can fly song plays in the back. It's pretty funny. But 
for a lot of sloths, it doesn't go so well if they don't have somebody helping them. So crossing roads is like super dangerous. So they're threatened by most of the, the most kind of common things that happen in our rainforests. So they're threatened by deforestation, habitat fragmentation, and human encroachment. Um, specifically that example of roads, like anything that's going to make it so they can't go tree to tree is going to be super problematic. In terms of IUCN red list, the maned and pygmy are decreasing. So the maned three-toed sloth and the pygmy sloth, their populations are decreasing. And then the pale-throated and brown-throated are unknown. Mm -hmm. So none, none of them are doing too great. So I think in terms of like, what can we do? I think, you know, obviously learn about sloths, talk more about sloths. I mean, think, I think people really like just the idea of sloths, but I think just like learning more cool things about them and how unique they are, um, just is a great thing to do to like, be like, oh yeah, they're really cute. But like, also, do you know, like they only poop once a week? Like what? I don't, (laughs) if that doesn't charm you, I don't know what would. Oh my gosh! Have you ever seen the video of Kristen Bell? Oh my god, when she's a sloth. (laughs) Yeah, adorable. And then a thing we've talked about before about like knowing where your wood comes from and buying sustainable products because a lot Mm -hmm. of the deforestation and habitat fragmentation is from illegal logging Mm -hmm. um, of trees down in the rainforest. And then if and when we get to travel again and you are, you know, going to destinations in Central or South America, be a responsible Mm -hmm. tourist, both in going to places that are sustainable and don't, and, you know, help to protect the forest in the local communities, um, but also aren't using slaws as props for like photo ops and stuff like that. That's Mm -hmm. something that comes out Mm -hmm. a lot with, you know, smaller, cute animals. Try, Mm -hmm. try to avoid those as much as possible. So I'd like to thank my slothy sources, Wikipedia, National Geographic, Nature, and the Rainforest Alliance um, Hmm. for bringing these sloths more into my life uh, this week. And that's that. Ah, thank you for sharing with the sloth. You're welcome. So I saw a sloth in the wild once. Um, I was in Costa Rica and he was climbing on a wooden beam outside of a restaurant. Um, yeah, I remember he was very cute. Yeah, very cute. Do you ever see the video of the sloth that broke into a convenience store? No, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it was like the slowest break in ever. I don't even know if it took anything. Well, of oh, course like not. Like a security camera. Oh my God, that's that's so cute. How did he not get caught? Right? I guess the alarms didn't go off. Ah, but- Great. All right, Maggie, it's your turn. Entertain All right. Me. All right. So I've, I'm going to get some more wine first. Oh, fine. I'm coming. Okay. I'm glad that you live in such a small little place because that was It takes fast. no time at all. Okay. So I'm really excited about my clues. I think I peek at my clues and then we go downhill from there. Okay? Okay. So this set of clues... Uh, these clues come in a set. <laughs> Perfect. Understood. You're, it's, it's intentionally supposed to be so that you put them all together and then you'll get it. Okay. okay. Isn't that like how clues always work? Um, yeah, but I have three clues and that's because there are three parts to this animal's name. Oh, that's a clue so in it's itself. A, you'll, you'll get it. Gotcha, okay. Gotcha. First, the first uh, word in their name is the first word of a popular Netflix series. Sometimes I feel like we're living in the upside down. 
Stranger. Okay. Next. Argos has a fluffy one. Pembroke corgis don't have one. Stranger tail. Duh. Okay. Okay. Another word for an authoritarian dictator. Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I was really banking on you saying that. (laughs) Wait, really? Is it a stranger tail Trump? No, that's not the answer. I was just, I knew that you were going to say that. Um, Okay. Think of like Emperor Nero of Rome was one. Yeah, history is like not my thing. What's another word for an authoritarian dictator or Trump? Somebody who rules with an iron fist and it's, and their, their way King? is the only way. No. Like they're Kings really, can. they're, they're like really not friendly about it. Well, you said it's not a dictator because you use that in the, right. So or is it another, another word for dictator? Like <laughs> an angry, I'm going to get my source out. An angry word for a dictator. Why don't I know? <laughs> Ruler. Meanie. Autocrat. Tyrant. Yes! Tyrant. <laughs> I needed, I had to Google for that. That was okay. sad. Which I is was a gonna, I should have, I should have said like a, a cruel and oppressive leader. That's what Wikipedia just told me. Tyrant there was. There you go. Okay. So put those together. A stranger tailed tyrant essentially it's a strange tailed tyrant have you <gasps> ever heard of this animal is it a bird it is a bird a kind i know i feel like i remember tyrant bird or something like that a little bit but this is almost yeah. i would say 99 percent brand new to me this is fantastic so so they're a member of the family tyrannidae uh, which is the largest family of birds with over 400 different species. Damn, more than warblers? Very cool. I feel like there's like 9,000 warblers in my backyard. No, no, this <gasps> is the largest family. That's crazy. So their their scientific name is Electrurus risora. Ooh, fancy. Very fancy uh, and almost cosmic. So the males, they're they're a small bird. They're speckled gray or heather gray on their back with a white breast and then a black cap and neck. And the female, she just has brown speckles instead of gray. And the, and the rest of her front is white. Um, I love but- birds with hats. I know. So not only not only are they wearing a cap, but they have a tailcoat on these males. I know. They'd it's be best just friends so- with your spider. <laughs> hello. It's nice to meet you. This oh, children series is really coming along. It's fantastic. Oh my god. <laughs> I had to go over to the spiders for <laughs> tea today. His home is so small, but he's keeping it very nice. <laughs> Um, okay. So good. Where, where did that go? So the, the male, he, he has a featherless throat, which is really kind of gross. It turns bright red when he's ready to mate, which I think is even grosser. And then he has a long ass tail that honestly, it just looks like it's the feather of another bird that just got caught on him or something. Oh no. So yeah, the strange tailed tyrant, like it, he is very appropriately named because it's a long ass feather. It's not tail feathers. It is just one giant feather on the end of his tail. 
So go ahead and Google them if you haven't. <laughs> yeah. But like very cool. And it's the not female, what I was expecting. What were you expecting? There's like there's some like birds that are like birds of paradise where they have like a long, like it's like really thin mm-hmm. and then like kind of poofs at the end. But like yeah, it like no. still kind of looks like it. This literally looks like someone went to an arts and crafts section and like yes. got the fake feathers and was like, I'm gonna glue it to this bird. Exactly. It was pin the tail on the bird. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love him. And then the female, she has a long tail too, but it's not nearly as as uh, obtrusive. It's also like a double, like there's two. Yeah, very cool. Oh, I love so the, where are they found? They're found in South America, mostly in Paraguay, um, a little bit of Argentina, Uruguay, and Brazil. But unfortunately, they are pretty much extirpated from most of their range. That means that they've either been hunted or have died out from most of their prior range. We'll get into why in just a second. They live in wet grasslands near marshes in subtropical climates. So don't, they're not exactly like Amazon rainforest birds, even though I said Brazil, I think a lot of people automatically think rainforest when they hear Brazil. So it's more like grasslands. Imagine like the tall grasses of the prairies here Mm. in the U S they, they require those types of tall grasses for breeding and nesting. Gotcha. They what do they eat? I think this is pretty cool. So they eat insects. Now they're very strategic in how they eat. They'll they'll follow army ants. They won't eat the army ants. They'll follow armadillos. They're definitely not eating the armadillos. And then they will catch the insects that those species stir up in the grasslands. Sneaky. I They're like super it. sneaky. Yeah. You know what? They got their thinking caps on. Oh, they that's what it is. <laughs> it is a cap made with thought. Oh, a thoughtful yeah, cap. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. So yeah, they're they're rather resourceful in terms of eating. And they of course have a very uh amazing mating display oh. in which those tail feathers uh come in handy just in terms of like showing off to the ladies. Mm-hmm. I will say there's not a lot of data on these species out there because their populations generally are just not that big. Like there are not a lot of these birds to begin with. And mm-hmm. because they've now been extirpated from a lot of their range, we just don't know a ton about them. What we do know is that they are the Mormons of the tyrant family. <laughs> what is what does that mean exactly? So that means the males will have a lot of wives. <laughs> oh, nice. Which is very actually most bird like things like 90% of bird species are monogamous. So this is sh- shocking. This is very strange. Um and it's almost a throwback, almost a throwback to the acorn woodpecker which mm. live in like very communally supported colonies, right? Uh everybody helps out with the raising of chicks. So it's a little less like sister wives and a little more like a cult. We're just going to share a husband. What? I said a cult? Yeah. Yeah. Never. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, the the males will here's a weird thing. So I was trying to understand the science behind their mating behaviors. And so I texted Adam, good old Adam, Mm. because he is a, he is a bird biologist. He's an ornithologist. And so I said to him, I don't understand what this means, quote unquote, reduce the variance in reproductive sex 
success of both sexes. And so he then explained to me that it's Bateman's principle. Are you familiar with this at all? No. Okay. So he said Bateman's principle in evolutionary biology is that in most species, variability in reproductive success is greater in males than in females. Bateman's paradigm thus views females as the limiting factor of parental investment over which males will compete in order to copulate successfully. My text message response to him was, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Which I think most people, most of our listeners, if they're having a drink with us right now, are also thinking. (laughs) So Adam's response was, Reduce the variance in reproductive success means reduce the variability of reproductive success. Less variability in reproductive success between males and females. I go, you just said all the same words in different order. (laughs) Oh, boy. That was not helpful at all. So um, (laughs) if anyone can help us understand. Well, I think... You're decreasing the variability, which means like less variation. So more, it's more like um, less chance. It's not a diverse enough or something. Okay, no. Like it's more reducing the variability would be like reducing the chance of something being, I don't know. Okay. I thought I was on to it. He did follow up and he said, it means females. Oh, and I, I don't know if I said this yet. I've had a lot to drink at this point. So um, females will stay in a given territory and the male will bop around to different females in different territories, right? Kind of like Mm -hmm. a Mormon. I'm so sorry. That was so insensitive of me. I'm just thinking of the TV show Sister Wives and how they all, the women have different houses and the father just moves from house to house. That is is the only thing I am thinking of. I apologize to any of our Mormon listeners. Um, Okay. (laughs) Wow. Where did I just go? So it means females staying in a territory for multiple years and males turning over each year reduces the difference in successful breeding for males and females. Made it more equal. Again, I don't know what you're saying, Adam, but thank you. Okay, I get like some of it, but not all of it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, they're a member of the family Tyrannidae, um, which uh, Tyrant goes back to 1730, which was coined oh. by Mark Catsby. Mm. I didn't know Mark was a name in the 1700s. That no. <laughs> was actually a discovery to me. Honestly, biggest surprise of the entire podcast right now. Right. <laughs> Who knew? Mark. So this guy coined tyrant because um, some of these species, yeah, some of the species in this family are actually quite aggressive. They'll drive threats away from their nests. They're very formidable given that most of these birds are pretty small. I'd say they're roughly songbird size. So think of your tufted titmouse you were mentioning earlier. They're not going to be, they're not, they range in size, but they're not going to be much bigger than like a robin or a dove yeah okay oh wow so as for the strange tailed tyrant conservation status uh they are iucn listed as vulnerable believe it or not even though they have such a small population to begin with and they've already been removed from a lot of their historical habitat they're not yet endangered or critically endangered but a lot of the conservation concerns 
are because of habitat loss for agricultural production, mm. which you might be wondering if, if you are a keen listener, you might be thinking, wait a minute, you said that they live in grasslands and marshlands in like subtropical areas. That's not really being bulldozed over for palm oil plantations or cacao or coffee, which is what a lot of the Amazon is falling susceptible to or falling victim to, something like that. Um, great on you. You've caught something. So it's actually for a lot of uh, rice field production. Mm. So yeah, different kinds of big pharma, big, no, that was wrong. Lots of, lots, lots of kind, different, different kind of big farm production. (laughs) Do it one more time. Cause when you finally kind of got it, it, it cut out. (laughs) God damn it. So it's just a bit, a different kind of big farm production. (laughs) Nailed it. For our listeners, that was the third or fourth time I had to say that because the first three were incorrect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we got um, so what are people doing about it? Um, there, there have been a few conservation groups that are trying to actively protect nesting grounds for some of these birds, as well as other uh, unique species in the regions of Paraguay and Argentina. So this, this conservation group will find where they are, find where their breeding grounds are, and then they will kind of monitor that land and they will kind of protect that region with tarps and fences so that it's, it's like, okay, if you're about to build here, you can't because this is now protected land. And they'll work with landowners, farm workers, bird watching clubs, and even provincial park rangers of an alliance down there. It's called the Grasslands Alliance. And then they'll watch over the nests and the fledglings, drive out predators and parasites. So they are very active in trying to protect these birds once they, once they find them. But again, this is just one conservation group. So like a lot more work can be done, but there are the dedicated people that love these birds and other species of birds that they are also helping mm-hmm. and trying to salvage their habitat and their future. Oh, so, so cool. Like I said, there's not a ton known about the strange-tailed tyrant, but they are a member of the largest family of birds and they are just so stinking unique looking. The reason I did them was because they were actually submitted to us by one of our listeners and I <gasps> thought this is just so so cool, so unique. Again, like Ashley said, they just look like some kindergartner just kind of like pasted a bunch of arts and crafts onto a piece of paper. Mm. And like why? Why do you exist? I think the coolest thing about them is the fact that they know to follow ants and armadillos to get their food. Like they'll just be patiently waiting and watching and be like, you will help me. Um, I think that's really resourceful and ingenious. So look them up. Appreciate them. Sorry. (laughs) So look them up. Appreciate them. And just know that there are thousands and thousands of species we don't fully understand and they all have their place in the planet. Ah, beautiful. Look at, look at, she wrapped it up with a little nice little bow. Ah. Mm. And a big thanks to my sources this week. 
I used, <laughs> who are my sources? My sources this week, thank you, Colette Trust, Bio One, JSTOR, Bird Life International, and of course, Wikipedia. However, Wiki, you had like three sentences on these birds. I'm a little oh. disappointed. <gasps> Wiki, no. Yeah. What a great um, episode. I was trying to think of what- Wow, do you want to say on. that again? <laughs> I, what a great- non-ground related episode i was trying to figure i was like they're not our both our boy non-terrestrial there we go that's oh my god no i like non-ground it's much better oh well we did it great animals one one pretty commonly known and one wild card baby definitely a wild card (laughs) i'm i'm gonna remind everyone that we are animal enthusiasts we're not scientists so don't cite us in your academic papers uh do your own research we just want you to get excited about these animals like we are and then contribute in your own way so thank you for joining us if you like our podcast check out our instagram at the watering hole pod and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening and give us a review because that'll help us reach new fans and get them excited about wildlife too Tune in next time when we learn about more animals, their biology and habitat, the threats they face, and what people are doing about it. Did that sound like a new cut? Because it was. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.